Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Scott Powell and I've got a cold. You're such a poop head. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cold, but I don't sound like that. You only sound, you sound kind of close to that a little bit. I'm going to try to do the podcast. My name is Father Peter Bussett without using Stop my, talking my, like my, that. my nasal passages. I don't like that. Anyway, <laughs> this is The Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Bussett. Yes, you are. You are not me. And I'm not you, and I'm so happy that you guys have gathered together with us for the third installment of the Triple Crown. The Preakness? Yeah. What? what? Yeah, yeah. The third installment. Yeah, yeah, the third leg of the Triple Crown. Is that true? Okay, so we have Pentecost. Oh, the uh, Solemnity of, what was last week? Most Holy uh, Trinity, Trinity. And now the the uh, the Body and Bread, Corpus Christi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. You said it last week in the podcast. No, did I? Yeah, you did. And so I used it in my homilies. I might have been talking about something else. You probably would have been but talking about something else. I knew else. that. Yeah, but I was the triple crown, man. Like, I was so inspired by your words. Dude, you know what I, I, I that was somebody else. It you was some what? other podcast you did. It was. I'm sorry. I've been cheating on you with another oh. podcast. <laughs> Roman Mars. I know that's who you fantasize podcasting with. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Greenspan and Katie Mingle. Those, <laughs> those are the, people. Those are producers on 99% Invisible. You're so nerdy. You know the producers. <laughs> Gosh, you're a nerd. That's, right. that's a why nerd. we love you. Hey, that's why I love you. I don't that's know why, why I love you. I love you because you're you're a total nerd, dude. I know you I am. No, even, no, you're right. You can't even play that game. I'm not going to deny it. Just about different things than you are. Yeah, that's sometimes true. the same. Sometimes the same. And we both, we... Father Peter and I, both dream of making little secret Lego dioramas around campus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I always know how to cheer Father Peter. Up. Oh, you do, and uh, I, it's really funny, y'all. I, I'm like, I, uh, I, I was so looking forward to my day off this week. And uh, and I was I had a great opportunity for grace, but you know how it is. It's like when you get you get your heart set on something, and then things change. It's just a little Never hard, works man. Out. And so so I'm just a little tired on this tip, you know. Well, let's jump into it then. Well, what do you say? Hoo ha! Let's do it, man. Hoo ha! So we are in the solemnity of the most holy body and body and <laughs> blood of Christ. The solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, i.e., <laughs> Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, which is a feast. That uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, our patron saint here at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, he wrote all the music for. Did he really? Yeah, and, and the hymns cool. and poetry and stuff. What a guy. Because they were looking for a way to promote uh, Eucharistic adoration, and so they needed to create a new rite in the church to do adoration. Cause really? Because you had all these little nonas who were... Um, you, who, who'd hit you with a 10 spot to hold the Eucharist up longer during the elevation. Did you say little nonas? Yeah. <laughs> little Italian <laughs> nonas, dude. Oh, oh, grandmothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, and and so that so they would they would hit you up with the ten spot to to have it hold it up longer. Really? Uh, yeah, and then it, I was ha- it started happening all over the church, and the church was like like ten rubles or something. What is it? When you made ten spot? Are you just making that up? Yeah, I'm just saying like they'd give you money. Colloquialisms. Colloquialisms. And, wow. uh, and so then, so then the church was like, well, dude, adoration is really good. The understanding of the body blood of Jesus was like, was widespread. And so they were like, let's create a new rite in the church. And so that's where we get the, the Tantum Ergo is written by St. Thomas Quinn. Oh, yes, I knew the, that. The, the O Salutaris Tantum Ergo. Yeah. Sometimes people criticize Catholics for the whole idea of adoration because it wasn't sort of an original practice, but it's an important one. It developed. And we, this is the, what we call the development of, not, this isn't the development of doctrine, but sometimes we understand things better and we... Say, well, we ought to be doing that. Yeah. So the church uh, grows. And, uh, grows. Grows. And, uh, and so it was, it's, it's pretty cool. And um, You're pretty cool. And um, uh, yeah, I think adoration is cool because it's ad oratio. 
Oh. To the mouth. To the mouth. Oh, very so good. So adoration is actually a time of preparation for when you get to receive Jesus. Oh, very good. So, which I think is a great way to set the stage for the readings that we have today. It on really Sunday is. The body of blood of Jesus Christ. It really is, Father Peter. So our first reading this week is coming from... Exodus. Movement of the people. You toil with me, hanging. Yeah, All no, right. no, no. That was, no, I, was I was, I was antiphonal <laughs> that I was trying. Oh, to go I got you, I got you. All right, it's call and response. All right, all right. So Exodus, all which right, is right, having right, has right, something right, to do with our reading, right, right. is call and response. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Our first reading is call and response. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Call and Twenty-four, three through eight. <laughs> yes, you got sick of that conversation. <laughs> all right, no, our I got, psalm. I, I'm ADD. There was a shiny no, thing, dude. It's good. It was a squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. Our psalm is Psalm one sixteen. Verses 12 through 13, 15 through 16, 17 through 18, and our response itself is from verse 13. Our second reading today is from the book of Hebrews. Don't, ah, don't know anymore. Okay, and it's, uh, it's chapter 9, verses 11 to the 15. I can, I can see half of our re- listeners shaking their heads. You know what? Half of our listeners are already drinking Moses coffee. Oh, brood. Uh, the, he brooded. It doesn't work that way. You can't conjugate it in the past tense. <laughs> no, because usually if you talk about brooding, that's <laughs> something a little that's bit different. different. And our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 12 through 16, and then jumping ahead to 22 through 26. Which totally bummed about them pulling out that middle verse because it would have been a great link up. Well, I think it's pretty good as it is. It is pretty good, but I have I, I just saw something that I thought was cool. Well, you can still talk about it, Father. They're still the scriptures. We put them in context. That's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, uh, welcome to the snarky on the hill. I, the, um, I'm, in a, I'm in a sick mood. Yeah, dude. I want to go back in bed. But we, I will not do We that. could podcast from, I mean, I, I you can get on the couch and I'll lean my chair back. That's and then it'll true. be like we're in bed. Oh, it'll be awkward. It'll crank my neck with the uh, microphone. Yeah, that's true. I, I see. I always, Annie doesn't know what to do with me with this. I always think of 10 problems ahead on every idea. <laughs> well, if we do that, then this problem's going to come up, and then that one, that one, that one. It's the worst. It's, it's tough being me. You're an intuitive thinker, man. And a melancholic, depressing one. You're a, de- you're a depressed, intuitive thinker. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Anyway, <laughs> Exodus. <laughs> Exodus 24, this is fun. Well, I don't know if it's fun, but it's an interesting moment. This is a profound moment, um, and it's one that kind of gets overlooked, and people don't quite know what to do with this section. Well, this has never been included in any Exodus um, movie at all, because... (laughs) Because basically, they've been traveling along, haven't they? And and, and this this is at the base of Mount Horeb. Yes, which is also called Sinai. Yes. The letter becomes Sena, which means to burn, the burning bush. Burn, Burning. baby, burn. Uh, Horeb, I believe, means dry. The dry mountain. Burn a nation, the nation. Trogdor. Oh, wow. You pulled out Trogdor. Dude. <laughs> oh, I bet two of you were excited. <laughs> okay, but here, here's sort of what happened. Back in chapter 20, God gave the Ten Commandments, right? Okay. So, th- so, so they've come out of Egypt, out of their slavery in Egypt. They've crossed Burn. the Red Sea. The chariots, Pharaoh's chariots and charioteers have been taken over by the water. And the... Into the sea. Dun, 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 dun. Um, and the horse and rider cast into the sea. La, 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 la. Um, the glory days of St. Thomas Aquinas, everyone. <laughs> That's what I grew up with. Dude, absolutely, man. Anyway, um, so then God calls Moses to come up on the mountain, and he wants to give them... So now that they're going to be a new people who are free, a people after God's own heart... He wants to teach them how they ought to live. So in chapter 20, Moses goes up. Well, actually, no, I don't think he went up yet. 
no, 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 he is up no, at that point. No, in no, verse no, 19. This is really, um, oh, because uh, he's he's about to go, he he's up and the down a few times. Yeah, he goes up and down a few different times. People don't realize how many times he actually makes that trek up the mountain. Yep. So in chapter in chapter 20, though, he gives God gives the Ten Commandments. But what's interesting about the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments were all given, if you look grammatically, uh, in the second person singular. So every person of Israel gathered at the base of Mount Sinai is actually hearing these things as in, you, Jimmy McGee, shall not commit adultery. And you... Uh, these aren't Israel. Sally sad Hebrew pants. names. Sally sad pants shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Goods. Mar- it doesn't matter. <laughs> Marty <laughs> Marty melancholic. Marty melon. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> but they're hearing it as though God is speaking directly to them. And what's their response? Well, their response is that they're terrified. And they basically tell Moses, we don't want to hear this anymore. We can't bear it. We don't want to hear God's voice. We are freaked out. You go up. You go. You get the commandments, and you tell them to us. So later on, you'll see that that Moses becomes sort of the sole mediator between God and Israel. And it's tempting to look at that and be like, well, why, you know, why didn't God just speak directly to them? Well, he tried to. They didn't want to hear it. The voice of God was actually too profound and too scary and too... Uh, whatever for them. So they actually say, no, Moses, you go up. So at the end of chapter 20, Moses goes back up himself and he says he'll receive the law. So on top of the 10 commandments, God then gives this sort of series through chapter 20 through 23 is this series of other laws. Basically, okay, this is how you ought to live. You're a freed people. Here's your 10 commandments, which is sort of their constitution as the new people of Israel. And as that people, here's how you ought to treat one another. Here's how you ought to treat your fellow, your fellow man and justice toward one another. And they're all pretty, um, you know, they're, they're pretty intuitive things. They're things that are very helpful. This is how you ought to act and live and, and show justice toward one another and mercy toward one another. And it kind of, it sort of uh, culminates in chapter 24, which is where we pick it up this week, right? Yep, which is, which is cool because like what, what basically what's happening is that Moses is, is speaking to the people. He's telling them a lot of the so stuff So he that's comes happening. down. He has he come comes down. down. And but and he's saying, hey, these are all the righteous things that are going to be done. He gathers the seventy elders with him. Uh-huh. They start praying. This plus, is a, plus he takes Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Abihu, yes, yes. And Abihu is Abihu the one who was struck uh, struck dead because he mishandles the tabernacle later on. I think that might be him. I can't remember. They're not good sons, basically. Okay, Aaron's family is all kinds of trouble. Yes. So what happens is the seventy elders are got, gathered with uh-huh. him. They they're praying. Everybody's loving it. They're grooving. Moses gets up the next morning. Okay. And he's like, you know what? You know what it's time to do? It's time to set up an altar. Mm. So he sets up an altar and then 12 stones. Um, or pillars, as um, the case may be. Well, in, in Does the, it actually say, oh, is it lithos? Technos? Oh, lithos. Lithos. Wait, what's it in Hebrew, though? Um, Aha, I've got you. Here, I'll tell you what no, it it's is. All right. No, sh- all right. No, you, dude, you can't challenge me and then be like, what's up, dude? You're right. Chapter 24. Um, uh, and then Father Peter just updated his Veriboom software. Yes, I did, and it's treating me really good. I love it. I love studying the original languages. There's so many interlinked things that you can just click on stuff. Check um, out veriboom.com. Coupon code Lanky Guys for your um, oh great mem- discount. Memorial stones. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, it is. Uh, indi- uh, I can't read Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I figured. That's why I said we should move on. Oh, hold on, hold on. Man, that's okay. Transliterated. Oh I'm gonna, my I'm gonna... goodness. Okay, so um, uh, okay. Masabea, Maseba stones. Yeah, memorial stones. Okay, cool. So um, so 
it was a. Oh, now I'm all thrown well, off. Now, now we we have to back up a step. A step before the altar comes in. So before the altar is built and the the stone the twelve stones which represent the twelve tribes of Israel, Moses comes down. He says to the people, it says he related all of the words and the ordinances. And some scholars say, okay, the words probably mean the Ten Commandments, which were called in Hebrew the Ten Words of God. And then the ordinances are all those other laws that kind of went along with them. He related all that to the people, and they all said with one voice, and this is really important, we will do everything that the Lord has told us. They all say that together. That's what we get in our first reading. We need to remember that for what's going to happen later. Yeah, that sounds great, Moses. We will do all of it. Yay, Moses. Thanks yeah. for taking that for us. Yeehaw. And then he comes down. Then he gets up early. Then he builds the altar and the 12 stones, right? Yep. And 70 elders. And yep. then, and then of course, and then once everybody starts waking up, he says, let's do some sacrifice. This right. is the time. And he, he has some he has some priests do some sacrifice. And then we, as- Now, what are they sacrificing, though? This Because this is important, too. Sacrifice in the Old Testament isn't, isn't random or capricious. Right. Why do you think they're sacrificing? Um, well, I, I mean- well, let's look at what are they sacrificing? What they're is sacrificing, they? where is it? Um, Twelve tribes and the um, burnt offerings. Oh, it doesn't say it in this one. It says, uh, it says peace it offerings of oxen to the Lord. Yeah, oxen. Why would they be sacrificing oxen? I don't know. They're sacrificing oxen. This goes back to the whole purpose of the Exodus. Remember, the originally, God said, I want my people to go out for three days in the wilderness so that they can offer sacrifice to me. He wanted them to sacrifice the gods that they were worshiping in Egypt. The reason all of this animal sacrifice comes about in the first place is basically Israel's way of saying, we reject worshiping these gods. These things that we actually thought were gods that we prayed to, now to show you, God, that we are not drawn and addicted to those anymore, we will destroy them. Just to show that we don't believe that those are gods anymore. That's why they're sacrificing these animals. To show It's like the alcoholic who goes out and smashes all of his bottles of booze in the street as sort of this symbolic way of showing these things don't have power over me anymore. Yeah. That's why they're doing it. It's not that God is... See, this is how people misread the Old Testament. God's not bloodthirsty. He isn't just like, give me some blood or some animals and sacrifice and kill it because I like blood. That's not it. Yeah. He wants their hearts and he knows their hearts are trapped by these things that they consider gods. It'd be like... Oh, I don't know. Did you, you ever see the movie Fireproof? Yeah. Kirk Cameron, baby. Kirk Cameron. There, there's that one scene. It's a cheesy movie. But there's that one scene where he goes and he throws his computer in the trash can and he smashes it with a baseball bat because it's been leading him to sin and looking at things he shouldn't do. And he did it in front of his wife so that she could see, look, I'm serious about this. That's why they're sacrificing animals. Are computers objectively bad? No. Are oxen objectively bad? No. It's their treatment of these things, which is what why they're doing that. Absolutely. I know somebody who just took their iPhone and just smashed it. Literally, smashed it on the li- ground. Li- literally threw it on the ground. But it's this so, ain't itself. This ain't your dad. It's a, this cell, is a cell, phone. cell phone. But this is why it's so, I mean, the whole story, if we know it's about to come, that makes it so critical that right at this point, they're sacrificing these animals that they used to worship. They're basically saying, look, we are not bound by these things anymore. They have no hold over us anymore. Look, we'll sacrifice them. And then what do they do? Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Then we th- this is but the why that, why the animals? I think it's important. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And then we have two things: the sm- the smothering of the altar in blood, uh-huh. and then the basins that were then kept aside so that then we can do a sprinkling of blood over the people. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's not sprinkling. I was trying to look up. Oh, I, Dude, it's the, like a dousing. Like they're dump the basins poor. are dumped. It they're says poor. Thrown. Yeah. In the, in the in the Septuagint Greek, it was like because I, I was looking at the context and I was like, 
ooh, like like the way in which the the words sounded. I mean, you could say pour in pieces, and I was like trying to understand, and I was like, oh, that's raw, man. It's kind of how you got me with the holy water on Easter Sunday this year. Boom! You really, you Doused dunked it. You. And you nailed me. Point I did. blank. Thanks, dude. You're welcome. Did you hear half the church laugh? I did. I did. <laughs> anyway, so why do they do that? What's the point? Blood, 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 blood. Blood, 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 blood. Well, um, I I have some speculations. Okay. Um, I don't know how accurate they are, though. Can I speak to it? Yeah. This is what's called a self-maledictory oath. And we see it elsewhere in the Bible, right? So do you remember the story of, of Abraham? Or Ab- he was Abram at the time. Abram. When God tells Abram to cut all the animals in half. Dude. And I walk through the center. Okay, see, this is the reason why I was thinking that these 12 pillar stones yeah. and the altar were actually, because I was trying to think, like, how did you set up? Was it all in a semi, was it in a circle with everybody? Or was it, like, lined up so that you could, like, walk between the pillars and go Ooh, to the altar? Interesting. Because as soon as I, th- <laughs> I saw that configuration, I thought, Oh, now all of a sudden we have the the, the split sacrifices of which the basin of the Lord walks through, right. and 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 says that because basically we're gonna if if you are, uh, betray this covenant, these things are gonna happen to you. Let us be like this. Yeah, but but and so then we have the symbolic presence of the twelve pillars, uh, the twelve tribes of Israel. Yes, with um with God at the head at this yes. altar. Yes, that's absolutely it. And, and so, so, in other so words, it's if literally Israel, it's the image of what Abram was doing. That's absolutely it. So in other words, if Israel fails to do this, may our blood be spilt like this. And having the blood literally get poured on them is there. I mean, you know, if you have blood poured on you from a dead bull, you're going to remember that. That's a pretty visceral thing, right? Yeah, because it's going to mean your clothes are going to have brown. Or, mm, that's nasty. But here's the thing. We have self these things would seem weird. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick yeah. a needle in my eye. And That's if I self- die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Those are two different I know. Things, I, but I always think they put them together do. in my mind. But that's a self-maledictory oath. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. In other words, if I don't do this little kid thing that I promised to do, may my eye have a needle stuck in it, which stinks. Dude, I've never seen anybody take each other up on that. And if they have, they probably went to prison. You know, I once got an injection in my eye for a illness i had and how that was we, the how, worst pain i've ever experienced in my life dude you you didn't do your kid thing you you i know i'm trying to remember what, happened, what did i not follow through <laughs> I know. and you heard of blood brothers that kind of thing yeah it's not a good idea but all of this there, there is sort of this human desire somewhere a blood oath, like yeah i want to actually commit myself and promise in a way that's like really visible like really profound so what they're saying is all the stuff that moses just told us we promise we will do we will reject all these things and God is making a covenant, or they're making a covenant with God. So pour half the blood on the altar and half the blood on us. We're sharing in this. And then after they did all this thing, they actually ate a meal. If you read on, the elders well, actually, because you can't swear a covenant unless you eat a meal afterward. And do you see, but did you pay attention to where they, what happened when they were eating that meal? Not a bit. They went up on the mountain. Yeah, I knew that. And then they had a vision of the heavenly realms, which is reminiscent of Ezekiel, of Revelation, and of Daniel. And of Romans, and, and our of second Romans, reading. Because th- what happens is that they were on lapis lazuli. They looked down, and it was pure lapis lazuli underneath them. I don't know what that means. It's um, it's this uh, Arabian um, semi-precious stone. I actually- I, I, Was that I, what you were had on, open on your computer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, I looked up to see how much it would cost to- um, <coughs> Lay the foundation stone of the churches, church in lapis lazuli, 
And it turns out that even just doing the sanctuary, I w- I'm in for a million dollars. Holy. Yeah, that's what. Holy that's, cow. I Ironically enough. Holy cow! Ah, ah. And, um, my goodness! But dude, I want I, I want everybody to 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 hold in their mind the image of the altar with mm. blood on it, and then th- this image that we've been talking about. When we so when we get to the gospel, we're gonna make some sense of some things. Now, I just want to point out the irony of everything that just happened. They just sacrificed these animals that they used to worship, poured the blood on themselves and on the altar, said, "We swear, may we be like that. May our blood be poured out if we're unfaithful to you." And yep. seven, what is it? Seven, eight chapters later, what happens? They were unfaithful. They're worshiping the same animal that they just sacrificed. They're worshiping a cow, a calf. Yep, and a golden one. A that golden was, one. That was scribed you know, out of earrings and stuff. Because um, Moses went up again. So, I mean, it, it's so immediate how they have promised, sworn their oath, been doused with blood just so they never forget. And then again, eight chapters later, they do this. It's almost immediate that they fall. So this... So if that's happened, then what's the price that Israel has to pay? Well, there's got to be blood spilled, right? Yep. So we'll get to that soon. Yes, that we will. That takes us to the psalm. And the psalm is, is, is great. It comes from smack in the middle of the psalms, 116. I will take the cup of salvation and call in the name of the Lord. Now, there's two traditions on who is actually addressing this psalm. Mm. Um, there's a tradition that, it's, uh, that it, this is actually a psalm of Jesus himself. Um, uh, uh, from from the um, medieval times, who was saying that? I think it was Thomas. What? Yeah, Thomas Aquinas, that Christ delivers our souls from the perils of head. It is the voice of Christ, the Christ the King is as King to be delivered like out of trouble. Prefigured voice, right? yeah, prefigured voice. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, I mean, this is Thomas Aquinas saying it. So right. he's looking back saying this. But it's then there's also a tradition of of Israel actually speaking it aloud. And that it is, um, even though, and, and it's coming from Isaiah, like, uh, because it actually parallels Isaiah really intensely. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and has language from him. But yeah. then, uh, but what I think is actually <clears throat> really interesting, because what it does is this image of the altar and the 12 pillars. Now we have Christ and Israel uttering the same thing. So I'm going to take the chalice of salvation into the hands of the Lord. So we have this blood of Christ prefigured in this basin being processed and then the then the basin uh, of blood being actually taken and splattered. Well, I, I, I think that's huge, but take it a step further. Take it to what's going to happen with Israel, you know, eight chapters after our first reading. They're going to face great temptation to fall back into what they used to do. They made a prom. I mean, we all, we all do these things. We all have these things that hold us, that, that trap us, that enslave us. We make resolutions and then the we fall. The they can't hold us. <laughs> But what's we, we fall, yeah. But but what's the point though? I mean, God knows that's going to happen. He's not even Old Testament God who sometimes seems weird and does strange things. He's still the same merciful God. What what, what they should be thinking about is the fact, okay, we have just shared blood with God. And if that's true, that means we are bound to God in a, in a profound way so that when we face this temptation, we're freaked out that Moses hasn't come back. We think we might need to fall back on worshiping these other calves, these other things. What should they do? They should What's the response? Take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Remember that blood that was spilt on them and say, we need your help. I mean, this is the thing throughout the entire Old Testament. People fall not because they're, I mean, they are sinful and they are bad, but they fall because they refuse to call on God. Adam and Eve, for Pete's sake, I am fully of the belief that when Adam and Eve came, or that when God came looking for Adam and Eve, all they had to have done was say, we are so sorry. We disobeyed your commandment. 
Yep. And there would have been reconciliation. Instead, they blame each other. They blame God. They're like, it wasn't our fault. We didn't do it, which is what we're always yeah. want to do. God yeah. wants them back. So, yeah, we look at the golden calf. We look at weird Israel doing weird stuff. The reason they killed those calves is to remind them, no, there is one God and he can actually help us. So they should take that blood, or at least the memory of it, and call on God's name. Call yes. in the name of the Lord to help us. Yeah. That's what they should have done. That's what they failed to do. Well, in, in Psalm 116, there's another sense of it of, of saying that um, the primary sense might imply a thanksgiving for the recovery of some eminent Hebrew chief, prince or priest, from a dangerous illness. Oh, interesting. I know, which is interesting because what, what happens with leaders in the, uh, in the Old Testament, in the Old World, they're in the embodiment of the people. Right. right. So what we're seeing is that there is this, this freedom yeah. from this dangerous illness. And, like, and, and how does it come? Yeah comes through the blood. Yeah, totally. Which is the whole chapter 9 of Hebrews by the way. It is chapter it's, 9 of Hebrews, man. Is blood. It's the well, but it's not uh, okay, we just got to read this. Brothers and sisters. Okay. It's all blood. It's all death. Brothers and sisters, when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that have come to be. Here's the thing. Uh, side note on Hebrews. The whole nature of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is written as it's not a letter, it's called an, a word of exhortation. It's like a, a homily, basically, to Hebrews, so presumably to Jewish Christians who might be tempted to throw in the towel because, I mean, think about it. Think, think about the situation Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were living in. After the time of Jesus, what is every person in Jerusalem doing and preparing for? The second coming. In, in a more immediate sense. The destruction of Israel, of Jerusalem. Well, what are they doing? In, they don't know Israel, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, so what are they doing? Selling all their property. No. What are they doing? They're preparing for war. Oh. They want to take on Rome, right? Oh, yeah. That's what oh, everyone's yeah, yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry. I no, was, no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew you had it. That's why Jerusalem was destroyed, because they went to war with Rome. And so everybody, imagine that you're a Jewish Christian living in Jerusalem. Everyone around you is rallying around, gathering arms, preparing to go to war against Rome, to defend the temple, which is the presence of God himself. But you are a Christian now. And you remember that Jesus actually told you, point blank, you do not fight this war. You turn the other cheek. You forgive your enemies. You, you embrace the Romans, but you forgive the Romans. Yes. And, I mean, how, and he says explicitly, when you see the armies and troops headed toward Jerusalem, what are they supposed to do? Get to, I mean, exactly. Flee to the mountains, he yeah, says. Yeah. Remember? Go to the hills. So... How do you think all of your family and your neighbors and your coworkers are going to view you who is saying, no, I can't fight in this war. I'm going to take off to the mountains when things get rough. How do you think they're all going to look at you? Traitor, usurper. Yeah, you're a traitor. You're a wuss. You're, you're, it's treason. You're not defending God himself, the holy city. You I mean, abandon us. It would be, it would be. Can you imagine how hard tragic. that would be? tragic. Can you imagine that? And this mm. is your family, the people around you, the people you love. But you're like, I can't do that. So wouldn't it be tempting in that context to just say, you know what, just like the first reading, I can't see Jesus anymore. We don't see Moses anymore. He said really nice things, but Jesus is gone now. And the apostles say he ascended into heaven, but I don't know what that means. And they say he's like a high priest, but I can't see him. I see Caiaphas. Yeah. He's high priest. And I just think it might be really tempting to just be like, I don't get it. I'm going to go back to, to the old Israel because that's what makes sense. So the whole letter to the Hebrews is comparing 
the old system of Israel with Jesus and basically laying out this foundation saying, if you know who Jesus is and what he's established and his high priesthood and your identity in that, there is no way that you can go back as hard as it gets. If you actually understand what you're a part of, there's no way you can turn back. This is a great lesson for us in, in evangelization and catechesis that if we actually showed the world what the church is, the world wouldn't be able to bear how, how beautiful it is. Right. They would want this. But the problem is we don't do a very good job of showing what the church is. Right. We do a great job of showing what the church isn't. <laughs> but we operate in the negative. Mm. Don't do this. Don't believe that. Don't do this thing. Don't hang out with those people. Right. Instead of this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. This is our identity. That's the whole letter to the Hebrews. So he's constantly contrasting. So in this section, he's saying why Jesus is a better high priest than any of the high priests of the Old Testament or of even the gospel time. So brothers and sisters, when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that have come, passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, the one not made by hands, that is belonging to this creation, he entered once and for all the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood and obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a heifer's ashes can sanctify those who are defiled so that their flesh is cleansed, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to worship the living God? It says when Jesus entered the, san- the sanctuary, this is what he did. Do you remember at what point in the Gospels Jesus goes into the sanctuary? He never does. He never does, right? So what does this mean? Well, if you read on in Exodus, here's the beauty of Exodus. Here's the beauty of where Exodus takes you right from that spot. It goes on to give all the blueprints and the descriptions of what the tabernacle is supposed to look like, the place where God dwells, right? Yep. But do you remember how God gives Moses that description? He basically takes him up into heaven, gives him a vision of heaven, and he says, here is where I dwell. Here's the tabernacle. I want you to go back down to earth and build a version of this. Yes. Which means that everything we had on earth was just a model. It's just a, a, a blueprint. It's a, it's a shell of one that already exists in heaven. Yeah, it's just one of those little mini architectural models. It is. That's what the temple was. It's Lego. It's a Lego version. It's a Lego version. <laughs> to, bring, to, to bring it back. I found, I saw online today, there is a, a little Lego set of a priests saying mass oh, dude. that you can buy. Dude, that's awesome. It's custom made. I, I was talking to my uncle the other day, Uncle Martin, and he was like, "Dude, nobody ever preaches on heaven." He's like, we, mm. "He's like, he's like, and all that's the time true. that I've been around and listening to preachers, he's like, I, I, he's like, they just don't preach on heaven." That's true. And and um, I look at this. Here is okay. Here, I'm just gonna already start to go there because the the gospel is a little bit harder to get this out of. But, it is um, because what what's happening, and 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 I'll but we'll we'll be able to get there is that. The blood is going through, passing through in the image in Exodus. Yes. It's passing through the 12 tribes yes. and going towards the altar. Yes. And and because, because that's what he's doing. We have an image of the passion of Jesus covered entirely in, the, in, in his blood, actually soaked as he's yeah. going towards the altar of the cross. Yes, all that's true. And then, then ultimately, and then Exodus, he ends up in the heavenly realms, which is where we see. I mean, but like, there's a, a difference. Again, it's a pattern, but there's a difference. And so here's where the fundamental difference is. It, it shows up in Hebrews about the works of of uh, cleanse us our cleanse our consciences from dead works. What do you think the dead works he's talking about are? Uh, the the uh, the weird practices of the law. I think it's not. I think it's the animal sacrifice. So think about this. This is going to get gross, listeners, so just bear with me. But and when, if you have children, please uh, be sensitive to their... It's not that gross. Well, okay. it's pretty gross. But like, if you were, gonna, if you were a priest who were supposed to sacrifice like a bull 
what you would actually have to do is go and take the head of the bowl, hold its forehead to your forehead, take your sheath, and cut off its head so that literally the blood dumps all over you. So its head is touching your head. And the idea was you need to be reminded that sin brings death. This animal is dying because of sin. The world is broken and you must not forget it. Blood, 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 blood. Death, 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 death. I mean, the whole sanctuary was just a festival of blood and death. And that's what God asked for, for a particular time and place, and that's fine. But the dead works that he's talking about is the old law. This is how you actually had to sacrifice animals, to remind you of your mortality and your consequence for your sin and all of these things. So when you see Jesus in Hebrews going into the sanctuary, he's not going into the earthly sanctuary, he's going to the heavenly one. When you see, you know, there's two different perspectives, right? We see a man hanging on a cross from earth, but simultaneously when Jesus is hanging on the cross, in heaven he's marching into the tabernacle, in heaven, giving himself to the Father as high priest. What does a priest do? The priest offers sacrifice. The priest is the intermediary between God yes. and man. Why is Jesus the perfect priest? Because if a priest is the intermediary between God and man, Jesus is God and, and man. man. Yes. Therefore, he's the perfect priest. And you actually say this. In, it's in Eucharistic Prayer 1, right? We say in the, in the consecration, let your angel take this to your altar in up he in heaven. heaven. Yes. So there's another one. There's another version. It should remind us that there's another version of everything going on. Absolutely. There's so much more than meets the eye. And more all of the, that meets, meets the more eye. than meets the eye is not just about death. It's actually all about new life. There was now one death, once for all, as Hebrew says, that would wipe out all of the rest of it so that we can actually walk in newness of life. Not that we can be swimming in death like the old covenant was. Yes. And so what we receive at the Mass is the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus. Does that make, does that make any sense? It's as clear so as It's all blood. about blood. Oh, very good. It's all about blood, but what Christ is doing is actually taking the blood out of the equation once for all. There's one blood now. It's not a bunch of animals, bunch of blood, pools, basins being dumped on us. Although, well, we'll get there in a second. Although. I do have let, a thought about the basins. Yeah, let's, ha let's go to Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark 14. Mark 14. Um, it's so fascinating. On the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, when they sacrifice the Passover lamb. So Mark is putting you back in the Passover feast, which is, of course, where the first reading is coming from. Yes. Sort of, in a roundabout way. Yes. I mean, again, that's the smearing of the blood. It's going to really make us, it's going to bring us back to right. this. The, the, the reason why we're sacrificing is so that we have clarity about who God is, right. not these animals. Yeah, absolutely. But they say, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two, he always sends two. He sent two disciples and he said, go to the city and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. It's funny how periodically Jesus has these little workers, these little uh, people stationed in different places that are going to do things for him. Yep. We don't know how he knows them. Where do they come from? Are they angels? Where are these? I don't know. I get a kick out of it. I know. It. Some people think that this was in a scene. Because, I think it probably was. Because the man, uh, because it would have been a celibate community, a man carrying water is, is very untypical. Yes. It's it would have been women. Yeah. But it's also... I mean, if you think about it, if, the, if, if all the authorities are looking for ways to find Jesus, find his followers, trap them, what are they saying? What's their conversation? This is a great way of like, look, here's a really unusual sign. Don't talk to him. Don't exchange words. Just follow him and it'll be set up. So nobody can catch them in these discussions which could trap Jesus in any way. So they follow him and making the preparations for the Passover. I mean, how do you prepare the Passover? You get all the foods, you get the bitter herbs, you get presumably a lamb that would have been 
sacrificed in the temple and then given back to the family. It's unclear to me whether there was a lamb at this Passover or not. Because if they're going to make the preparations for Passover, it makes sense to me that they would have prepared a lamb. In the Last Supper itself, no lamb is mentioned. So I don't know oh. if it just got put in Tupperware and put in the fridge for later. I don't know. <laughs> but Or maybe there wasn't one. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, with totally... Jesus being the lamb of God, it, well, would, make, of it, course. it would make a lot of sense that him not, him not being there. But did the disciples prepare one? Because they don't know he's the lamb of God yet. And he said, you guys go prepare the Passover. You yeah, know they, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, however, ooh, now I'm Talk to me. Ooh. the lamb would probably be given to the head of the family. Oh. So I wonder if it would have been Jesus's job, even though they're preparing all the other stuff, if Jesus's job as the head of the family, so to speak, would have been to bring the lamb. Anyway, we can speculate. We don't know. Yep. So they uh, go and they went in and they did everything that he was supposed to. <clears throat> And then um, the part that they cut out is 17, and it says, yeah. And when it was evening, he came with the 12. And as they were eat- at the table eating, Jesus says, To one of you will betray yeah. me, who is eating with me. <laughs> See, the, the mention of the 12, I think, is actually, again, I, that's the reason why I keep on connecting back, coming back to this, this image yeah. of, of the 12 plus the 13th being the altar. See, because Jesus, we actually speak of Je- as Jesus as the altar, the lamb, the, the the priest. So he is the sacrifice, the altar, and the priest. Ooh, you're so, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and, classic. And, and so we we are already seeing. So when we see Exodus as he's dumping half of this on the altar itself, yes, we have to remember that there is that that Jesus is, is like that there that that blood being poured out is actually specific unto an individual. Yes. And is it being foreshadowed? This is the Lego version of what's actually supposed to take place. Right. Um, but even take it a step further. So if, if Jesus is the altar. Yes. And his blood is being poured out on the altar. Yes. It's also being given back to the apostles. It's not splashed on them like a basin, but they actually all receive the cup. Yes. So it does go to both parties. They receive the cup just as the Israelites were splashed with the basin. Yes. It actually is both sides. They're both present in the Last Supper. And by the way, the term, the covenant, oh, what is it? The blood of the covenant. You know the first time that term, the blood of the covenant appears? No. Exodus 24, the story we just read. Oh. It's the first time you see that term. So the fact that the, the beauty of the mass, bringing back this reading, reminding us of the first time that term was used, now it's fulfillment in Jesus, the blood of this new covenant, which is not... You know, oxen being being uh, being uh, sacrificed, and then our blood being his blood being poured all over us. It's different. It's it's cleaner. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's 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 more. There's something about, and I, I don't want to make this too subjective, but there's just something about the fact that the whole sanctuary in the Old Testament, the whole tabernacle, was just a field of dead animal parts and blood. Doesn't that just tell you that there's just something not quite right? Yeah. It's what God wanted, but that can't be the end. Surely that's not the be-all, end-all. Surely there's more, right? The fact that the, the, the priest, the high, only into the presence of God, only one person, only once a year, with a big fat rope tied around his waist, just in case he died while he was in there and they had to yank him out, that that's the only way you could access the presence of God. All, that whole structure just kind of tells you that this is sort of plan B. This well, isn't the way God originally intended it. Well, yes and no. See, this is actually where um, the, <clears throat> we're, we're talking and, and like God has given his people a vision. 
Mm-hmm. Moses had a vision of the heavenly worship. He had a vision of what's actually taking place in heaven. Right. So, Not the tabernacle per se, because mm-hmm. remember, the instructions for the tabernacle are before the golden calf. Exactly. That's all supposed to be there. God wants to dwell with them. Yes, and the, but, then, but then there's this sense of there is one person who can go in. But that's this, later. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm saying yeah, yeah, for okay. all all of this, like okay, like okay. oh, I see. Yeah, like the, the the repetition, we're like yes, like oh, okay, hold on, like okay, there there's one guy who has the ability to access the holy of holies, the right. high priest, and right. so then you're going like, oh, hold on, and then all of a sudden we have one person who can access, right. who actually does die. Right, who right, does actually right. fulfill the realities of the, what they're worshiped, but but it mm. doesn't make sense. It's it's like um, um, men don't make sense without women. Like the, 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 their their bodies are intended for each right. other to for fruitfulness, and so mm. so th- so these realities and the, even this Plan B that God is going is having this this uh, anticipation of what Jesus actually does with His blood. Mm. Now, the reason why you get somebody to repeat something. Hmm. Is so they remember it, right? And then when then it happened, then then when whatever the fulfillment of it is, is you go, oh my right. goodness, hold on, right. Jesus is the one who died in the in the holy of holies to actually, but then he was actually able to come out under his own power, right? Who is the real sacrifice? Who is God? Like the reason why you had to sacrifice these bloody things that everybody thought was God is right. that when God came and he was sacrificed, you say. Oh, that's God. Right. Hold on, but th- right. so th- there's this thing of 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 bringing even the nations worship. This yeah. is actually the confusing part. Is I just am seeing this now. Yeah. Like they thought these that oxen was a god. Right. Well, gosh. Well, oh, it, the, in our minds we say, oh yeah, here we go. God is sacrificed. Right. Like what? And called a lamb. And called, called a an lamb. Animal. And smeared on the doorposts right. of our lips. And right. it's all it, preparing us. All preparing us for then. But now we talk about being da- like the baptismal font is being inaugurated into the blood of the lamb. Yeah. We we put the blood in our mouths. We yeah. are doused with that blood. I mean, like this is this is crazy. But in a way that um, is not is is unique and is in one time, and we get to experience it in a sacramental way. So it's. Dude, it blows my mind. And it's in the midst of the 12 tribes. Yes. Jesus is the uh, 12 apostles. The, 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 that Israel is here and is, and, and, and which brings us all the way back even to Abraham. The, as, well, uh, who walked through those sacrifices, who says, yes. if, if I did this, then let this be done to me, which it is done. And that, yes. that's the huma- humanity that Jesus has taken to yeah. himself actually suffers the curse of that. Yes. And is actually doused in that blood. Yes. And it does actually have that self-maledictory um, yeah. covenantal sign that then points to the feast that's in heaven that Moses got to experience with the 70 elders. Yeah. I mean, this stuff, like right now, man, it is like blowing my mind. Mm. This is how I want to live my it's life. It, right here, as in this zone. Right, right. We'll put one piece of icing and let's put the cherry on top. You ready? Woo-hoo. I think this is the cherry. Um, well, first of all, the fact that one of the apostles, he actually just named Stone. Remember the stone pillars? Oh. He actually just named the prime one, the stone, the rock. Anyway, oh, yeah. I don't know, what, I don't yeah. know what's going on there. but That's awesome. Think about this. Take it back again to the first reading. The fact that you have this oath, this covenant sworn between God and the people. What's the only way to break a covenant? Death. So Jesus now in the Last Supper is ushering in a new covenant. And if there's going to be a new covenant, it means one or of the, one or two of the parties have to die. So if the covenant in the Old Testament was made between humans and God, humans broke it, 
So which party, the only way to actually break a covenant is for one of the other party to die. Which party dies? Yeah. Which party dies? God or man? Well, well see, he's bound in himself, and that's where he, Jesus enters into death. God becomes man and dies. Yes. So that both parties of the covenant can both die so that there is a clean sweep. The covenant ends once for all so that this new covenant can be reborn. So that we're not subject to these works of death. Right. But he, but we are subject. So what does Jesus do? He actually takes on our subjectedness to those works of death. He takes on the curse that we swore, that Israel swore in Exodus 24, when we said, yeah, we're going to do all this. May we bleed out. May our blood be spilled if we're not. And Jesus comes, takes that on, says, okay, I'm going to take that on. I'm still God. I am still the perfect high priest. Clean sweep. Covenant is done. Let's start a new one. Yes. And let's launch a new one. Let's let's reunite God with his people. Yes. Which is kind of cool. It's the best. It is the best. You it's, guys are the best. Oh, man. Ooh, I, I don't know. I hope so. I'm feeling somebody sweating out there, like having visions, just loving this. It's also hot. It is also hot. Having oh. visions. <laughs> if you're driving, be careful with your visions. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road. Distracted driving causes death. Absolutely. And we are not subject to the works of death. No, we are also not responsible for any car crashes caused by listening to the Lanky Guys podcast. And if there is anything, you can talk to and our lawyers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was what know. I was trying to do. Yeah, that, me too. I picked up on that, man. I got That's your good. I got your intonation. We're right there. Dude, I have to say, you didn't sound sick for this whole podcast, oh, man. Oh, it's because I got so excited. Man, the you- The word of God brought me to life. It really did. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear any of this. That's good. I tried to fight it. I tried as hard as I could to hide it. Push well. it down deep. Push all my emotions and feelings down into That's my gut. That's really healthy. No, Real healthy. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We will be back next week. Um, you guys are the best. You're the best, Father Peter. Dude, you're the best, God. Oh, no, you're the best. No, you're the best. Have a great solemnity of Corpus Christi, and we will be back soon. And uh, and you have to let us know who, uh, uh, out of the three, the triple crown, oh, yeah. who took, who swept all three from the triple crown. Quown. Wasn't it uh, that horse, Pharaoh's, somebody Pharaoh? No, this is the... The one of the yeah. celebrity. Yeah, yeah, I know, but in the did Pharaoh did Pharaoh take the third one? I thought he did. I don't know. I man. think he swept the triple crown. Well, I'll drink a mint julep in honor of whoever has did the triple crown. Excellent. All right, see you guys next week. God bless. You. Bye-bye. Bye bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.